Hi, I'm Phil Morehart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, a magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Five years ago this week, the city of Baltimore was upended by protests and riots following the death of Freddie Gray, a 25-year-old unarmed black man who died while in Baltimore Police Department custody. Wes Moore, a Baltimore native and author of The Other Wes Moore and The Work, Searching for a Life That Matters, looks at Gray's death and its after effects in his upcoming book, Five Days, The Fiery Reckoning of an American City, co-written with former Baltimore Sun reporter Erica L. Green. I sat down with Moore in Philadelphia in January at the American Library Association's Midwinter Meeting to discuss the book, which follows seven real-life people as they navigate the city during that turbulent time. What led you to write this book in this way, as opposed to, like, say, a traditional narrative? What led you to follow seven people? You know, I think what ended up happening was there's, uh, you know, after everything happened in my hometown around the unrest around the death of Freddie Gray, um, it just really fundamentally led to two questions that just kept coming up. One is, how did we get here? And then what do we do next? What do we do as a community to be able to both heal and also to be able to to move forward? And, um, and you get a chance to speak with people from every strata of the city. Uh, and everyone had different opinions, everyone had different thoughts, everyone had different ideas and concepts. They were trying to get to those two, answer those two questions. Um, and really what I wanted to do with this story was try to provide a, a, a kaleidoscope of the city and, and take this journey with these individuals and, and look at it through their eyes about both how we got here and what do we do now. And I wanted to take people who represent every single facet of, of our community. I wanted to have the perspective of, of, of Partee, who's a police major. Uh, who grew up in the neighborhoods, but now finds himself policing the same neighborhoods that he grew up in. You know, I wanted the perspective of, of, of John Angelos, who is the, the son of the owner of the Baltimore Orioles and the head of baseball operations, who is making real-time decisions on whether or not we're gonna play a game uh, you know, of, of our you know, beloved Baltimore Orioles at a time when the city is under a state of emergency. You know, the perspective of Tawanda, who two years before Freddie Gray, there was Tyrone West, who was her brother, who was killed in police custody, uh, and has been protesting and screaming about it for years and wondering, you know, while she stood with the Gray family, she also wondered, you know, where was the city when I was saying that this is going on? Um, so to really get the perspective of a collection of people and really broke it down to these individuals that I said, their perspective, their their movements during those during those five days, I thought told a, uh, told a, uh, just a, a powerful story of a city that was broken and a city that now is in the process of healing. Now, how did you find those seven people? I'm sure that you interviewed many, many more. How did you whittle it down to those seven? Yeah, when I, um, a few of them were people who I had known and, uh, and, and admired for years. And part of the reason that I knew what their five days was like was because I watched it in real time. And I spoke with them about it, people like Billy, uh, who was an attorney for the Gray family. Uh, you know, I, I've known Billy Murphy for years and, and saw how draining those five days were on him. So I knew he was definitely one of the people who I wanted to capture. 
uh, people like Tawanda, who I who I followed her and followed the case of Tyrone West very closely. Um, but then also what I wanted to do was talk to other people who were in the community and ask them, you know, who are some stories that I need to know? Who are some people that I that I wanted to capture? And then I just spent my time going around talking to different individuals, winnowing the list down until finally I felt like I had a proper list of people who gave a, a, a real representation of what was going on uh, in the city at that moment. Did you consider interviewing Freddie's mother and father, or did you? Yeah, so so I I've had a chance to uh, to to speak with them. I didn't didn't want to interview them uh, for uh, you know for the for the book per se. Uh, I thought the way to tell their story was actually to tell it through Billy um, and through his perspective, through uh, his interactions uh, with the family. So the way I really wanted to capture the family story was actually through Billy's eyes. Uh, which I thought was a, uh, the, the the proper way of not just paying respects to to uh, to to Freddie and his family, but at the same time making sure that their story was heard and, and, and represented. Uh, you mentioned in the book, and it's an amazing statistic that in 2015 there were more than 100 police killings of unarmed African Americans. Uh, why did Gray's death in particular resonate in the way that it did? You know, it, it was interesting because one of the things I really wanted to understand uh, with it was exactly that question. Like, what was it about Freddie Gray's death um, that really set this spark off? Because the truth is, is that if you look at the years before Freddie Gray, there was Anthony Anderson, and there was Chris Brown, and there was Tyrone West. Similar situations, uh, but didn't cause the unrest that Freddie Gray's death did. And I, and I think there were a couple things that really broke that down. One was the fact that his final moments were caught on video. Um, you know, with this idea of smartphones and now people being able to be, you know, photographic journalists, uh, that was a new phenomenon where, you know, before when you had, we would hear about these things of police interactions and so on and so forth, um, there was often the, the initial immediate knee-jerk reaction was, well, what did they do to justify it? What happened that the police would do this? In the case of Freddie Gray, we had photographic evidence we had video of what happened in Freddie's last moments. Uh, and so that complicates the he said, she said uh, dynamic. And I think the second piece was that we saw this, this, the, this rapid rise of this movement called Black Lives Matter, where we actually had an organized response now to the idea of, of, of you know, a police and police community interactions in a way that there was never that before. Uh, you know, the death of, of Trayvon Martin that triggered the, the rise of Black Lives Matter was something that you now had something that started off with an initial hashtag and just an internet movement to now something where you had actually organized forces that were able to move and descend upon cities quickly when these incidences were, were reported. And so I think you saw a collection of those two things that were then taking place that caused Freddie Gray's death and the response to Freddie Gray's death to be very different than what we saw in the case of other killings. Now you touch upon this a bit in the epilogue in the book um, about Baltimore today. It's been five years since. How is Baltimore today? I think the city itself, it kind of gets a bad rap. I mean, you have, it was portrayed on the wire. You have the 68 riots, you have these riots. How, how is, I guess the question is, how is Baltimore today considering everything that it's gone through? Uh, Baltimore is still in the process of healing. And I think Baltimore is still in the process of uh, going through quite a bit of pain, frankly. Um, you know, I still call Baltimore home. I'm raising my kids in Baltimore. Um, but the truth is, is that even if you look at just the past year, uh, you know, there were over 340 homicides in the city of Baltimore. 
Um, you know, Baltimore is a city that even if you think about just since Freddie Gray, since that time, since the past five years, um, Baltimore has had three mayors in five years. Um, so Baltimore is still very much going through a process of, of, of healing and cleansing. And frankly, these are things that have been unraveling and showing themselves for a very long time. Um, and I think what we're now seeing in Baltimore is, uh, is, is, is a real reckoning of the fact that when you have chronic neglect and when you allow this, this generational and this concentrated state of poverty to exist, uh, once that begins to fray, it, 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 it takes a lot to be able to make sure that level of healing comes back. And I think Baltimore is still very much in that process. Uh, and to that healing, and you're here at ALA Midwinter, you're going to address a bunch of librarians. What role does the library play in that healing in communities like West Baltimore or, or Ferguson or, or Cincinnati, like we were talking about earlier? What role, what do you see the library's part being in that? Well, I see, I see the library's role is, is not just being a, a centralized place for learning, but I see it being a real community organizing platform. Um, I see it being a, 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 a not just an infrastructure, but being a place that symbolizes uh, a level of, of, of gathering and, and communal support. I don't think it's not lost on anyone in Baltimore that if you look at that corner of North and Pennsylvania where the CBS was, that the CBS that was burned and, 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 and looted on April 27, 2015, uh, many of the buildings around on that corner were burned. Um, you know what building was not? The Enoch Pratt Library which sits at the corner right across the street from the CVS, that building wasn't touched. And so I think the library actually plays a really important, not just physical role, but a very important symbolic role in the community. And that also became one of the places that, were, that when we're talking about organizing and community gathering spots for how that community was gonna heal, it was at the Enoch Pratt Library. So the library played a central role in, um, in, in, you know, in not just our, our plan going forward, but also in the type of assets that we need to be able to build out if we are going to move forward. Thanks again to Wes Moore for joining us to discuss his book, Five Days, The Fiery Reckoning of an American City, published by One World, a Penguin Random House imprint. You can find it in stores and in your neighborhood library on August 18th. As always, I'm Phil Moorhart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decimal Podcast. <laughs>